Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. In the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God, amen. Please be seated. The stories we're hearing in Scripture this morning are two of the best known in the Bible. Jesus talks about the reign of God as a mustard seed. God tells the prophet Samuel to ignore the valuations of the world, to select the smallest, the least likely of Jesse's children, David, is anointed. There's a danger in preaching on well-known stories, because when the stories are well-known, we think we already know the meaning as well. We think we've got the intellectual answer, we'll pass the Sunday school quiz. <clears throat> it matters how we hold the Bible. One of the best descriptions I've heard for biblical wisdom is this. The Bible is not a book of directions, plural, but a book of direction, singular. Trying to live a legalistic interpretation of the Bible as a Christian, it doesn't really work. If we try to be literal, <clears throat> we might all have to consider this morning literally giving up our careers to become mustard farmers. We might debate choosing our next president by pouring a horn full of olive oil on whatever ruddy small child we find out hurting the sheep. And the Bible isn't best understood as a book of directions. But the Bible is a book of direction. And in a moment like the one we've come to today, in this strange threshold time between what we've just survived and what is coming next, the Bible can be helpfully orienting. <laughs> Excuse me, allergies are bad for me right now. <clears throat> we can find our way through by looking at the way God has led in the past. And so today I want to offer two interpretations of these stories. They're just my takes on where the map might be leading. The first has to do with seeds, and the second has to do with embracing the unexpected. Let's talk for a moment about seeds. And this is a well-worn metaphor, even for Jesus. Jesus lived in a much more agrarian economy than we do today. Seeds are the stuff of life, but they don't necessarily look like it from the outside. And Jesus uses seed here to talk about the seemingly small decisions, the seeming minutiae of life. This week, I was reading a case study of a church not unlike our own. This was a church that thought of itself as a diverse and welcoming community. They prided themselves especially on the inclusion of younger people in the congregation. And the story is about a young man called George. And George has a disability which significantly limits his language. His parents noticed that the young people in the church, they were very friendly to the family writ large, but they weren't getting to know George. One Sunday after church, the parents overheard several of the young people talking about a 16th birthday party of one of the members. And the congregation had sung happy birthday to her during the service, and it seemed like all the young people were off to her house for a party, but George wasn't invited. His parents drove him home, saddened, and not really knowing how George felt. That afternoon, after the usual family lunch, his mother went up to George's room to check on him, 
and found him cutting up pieces of paper. She asked, what's this you're doing, George? And he responded, I'm making up tickets for the party. Your heart just drops, doesn't it? What's so hard about this story is how easily we could see this happening even in our own church. There wasn't any deliberate evil committed, but this story is one of those tiny mustard seeds rolling over the dirt, failing to be planted. It seems so small, but the party invitation could have meant so much. And when I read this story, I realized again why our church has so deliberately committed ourselves to starting the Grace Gathering Ministry. There are so many people who have been excluded by church, excluded because of disability. It takes real intention to plant seeds of relationship. It takes real intention to plant seeds of trust. A grace gathering isn't about making a separate space for people with disability. We are planting this ministry in our church. We're investing this time and talent. We're investing financially because we know it will take real intention to overcome the subtle defaults that exclude people who are disabled in church. We trust that we can't yet imagine the way that the seeds will grow, but that tiny intentions can blossom into work we can't even comprehend. If you're interested in learning more about Grace Gathering, about being part of this intentional work to build relationship with the disabled community in our church, I encourage you to talk to Julie. The first Grace Gathering that'll happen in person is happening next week. And the work of intentionality, it helps us to see a wider theme in church as well. We often use the language of belonging when it comes to church. We ask, what church do you belong to? We talk about wanting people to belong here. But this is the reality. Belonging isn't something that actually happens technically. It's a feeling. It's not really about a letter of membership or a bishop's hands on your head. Belonging happens because we belong to one another. Belonging happens, we know we belong when we know that we would be missed if we didn't show up. The mustard seeds matter. The little things matter. How do we help one another know that we belong? How do we take steps outside of our comfort zone to really see one another? How do we form friendships deep enough that people know that they would be missed if they didn't show up? How do we plant those mustard seeds? Notice in the other story we read today, David was missed. His family didn't think it was possible that God could call the littlest child, but somehow Samuel knew the Lord's anointed was not among the impressive siblings. God doesn't see as humans see, Scripture tells us. God does not evaluate us the way we evaluate one another. God doesn't judge based upon your bank account, your SAT score, or the car you drive. We need reminders. I know that there are some folks who roll their eyes when we light up the altar for LGBTQ plus Pride Month. I know for some it seems a little over the top. 
Some think the rainbow flags and in the years when there's a pride downtown, taking the church downtown for pride for the interfaith service, it's just a little much. Let me tell you why. First, let me say it's not for me. Well, it may be just a little bit for me, but mostly it's not for me. A couple years ago, I was in India. I was sitting with a Catholic monk, a man who was openly gay, who had a real call to the monastic life, but who sometimes wondered if celibacy had also been the most viable option, given his very religious family. He was asking about Holy Communion, fascinated that we were so free to be so openly embracing of the LGBTQ plus community. As we sat and talked, I flipped through pictures. And when he saw a picture of the altar, lit up like a rainbow, he grabbed my phone, he wept, and he asked me to send the picture to him. We light up the altar for pride. We make such a big deal because there are still so many people who have been told that their love, that their sexuality can't be a part of God's love for them. Yes, you can buy a rainbow on just about everything these days, from a pair of Nikes to an ice cream cone, but you can't buy the rainbow as a symbol of God's love. That rainbow will always be free, and I pray it becomes less rare. We make a big deal about Pride Month because there are so many people who have chosen to join this church because it made space for them to embrace part of themselves or part of their child, their sibling, their friend. We make such a big deal in part because the good news that we have to offer is that God does not judge the way that humans judge. God sees you, all of you, with love. God sees you, all of you, as a blessing. The direction in which Scripture points us is often counterintuitive. It's almost always countercultural. The direction God points us is always asking us to be intentional about the seemingly small things. God is always planting seeds, seeds of friendship, seeds of belonging. The people you may most need the friends who may be the biggest blessings in your life may very well be the people you least expect. The people God gives you may be a little more loudly queer than you would have initially felt comfortable. The people God gives you may think or vote differently. The people God gives you may have a disability which limits communication. And friends, the people God gives you will help you know you belong. You are a part of a wildly diverse community of God's beloved. Plant the mustard seeds. Keep your eyes out for the unexpected people in whom God shows up. Amen.